You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. A very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. In it, I talk to someone who is a person of note, and we listen to music of their choice. And once you've heard all the pieces of music tonight, you will understand that the person I'm talking to is a soprano, first of all, and secondly, uh, that she is an activist, an arts activist, and I would like to welcome Sibongle Mgoma. Good evening. Good evening, Richard, and thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you on the program, and I think we should set off straight away by saying that you are the founder of something called I'm for the Arts, and you're the recently elected president. So, first of all, I think you should tell us what I'm for the Arts is. I'm for the Arts is an advocacy and lobbying movement that uh, was launched on Facebook in January. It actually started out of frustration, and it's grown into a movement that is now being formalized into an actual organization that represents uh, the creative industries, uh, artists, and um, all cultural workers who feel that they need a change and to work in a healthy environment. And it couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, little did you know in January that we were going to have the lockdown, which has affected artists, I think, uh, hugely. Indeed. I mean, it's almost like it was a prophetic move. <laughs> yeah, because uh, concerts are still not possible. I mean, the, the latest level two says you can have 50 people, but most concerts can't operate with only 50 people in the audience because it's just not enough income. Exactly. And I mean, if you're talking about a, a theater that takes 250 people, um, already 50 people is a third. And so you won't be allowed to do that. So, you know, there's a lot that we need to look at in a different way. And it, it becomes important for government to start really listening to the industry because they tend to do things without consultation. As a result, they don't know how these things affect the actual people working in the spaces, but they don't want to to, to consult, and that's a problematic thing. And that's why I'm for the arts is there, because it's basically to say, stop this top-down approach and start talking to us like people who understand what we are doing and where we are working and how we are affected by what we do, as opposed to treating us like children who need to be guided and constantly protected or whatever it is that they're doing. It's like they just, they don't treat us with, the due respect that they should give us as adults who actually have full brain capacity. Why do you think this is? What is it? It's, I, I believe it's because of their own insecurity, because of their ignorance of this space. So when you're afraid, you tend to go in hard and you, know, you bulldoze your way through just to establish your authority. And I don't believe that they, they, they do this because they really know what they're doing. I think it's just their way of, um, yeah, dealing with their insecurity because they feel inadequate in the space. And when they talk to us, they feel like they become less than. So instead of accepting that they don't know enough about what we are doing, then they make us feel less than so that they can feel more as official. Let's listen to your first choice of music, which is perhaps all about this visi d'arte, uh, somebody who does something for the art of what they're doing. This is Maria Callas, who was another great fighter uh, for her rights. Maria Callas singing visi d'arte. That was Maria Callas singing visi d'arte. The choice of Siboglem Goma, uh, who is the founder and the newly elected president of uh, an advocacy group called I'm for the Arts. Now, Sibongile, just give us a little, or may I, may I call you Bongi? Yes. Just give us a little background, because obviously 
there was something leading up to this that made you do this in January. Tell us a little bit about what went, what was your thinking behind this and how it came about. Okay, my thinking behind all of this actually stems from the fact that, so I've, I've worked everywhere and I was trained everywhere, like in different parts of the world. And I had the option of staying overseas and not coming back, like some of the younger singers are doing now. But I decided that, you know, I had learned enough and um, I can come home and give back, pay it forward, uh, do workshops, master classes, put on productions, you know, put my experience to good use. And then I arrived back here and I find the gatekeeping is insane. So I, I figure out a way to work without worrying too much about the gatekeepers and their spaces. And I start putting on productions. And then you start hearing things like the department wants to know why you don't partner with them. And then you start picking up that there's a lot of interesting happenings around the work that you're doing, which look very much like sabotage. And so I decided, okay, fine. They want to partner, let's partner. So I approached them and I said, okay, you want to partner? I'm here, let's partner. And then they do what they normally do. They don't respond to emails. They don't pick up the phone. They don't acknowledge receipt of proposals. And then I was like, no, man. I could essentially walk away from all of this and go back to what I was doing before, working with um, independent uh, funders. But then what does that mean for the generations coming after me? It means that we'll have to go through the same mess that I've gone through. That's not okay. Surely we can do something and get these people to actually do their jobs and stop trying to do our job. And, you know, I wrote, after trying so many times to speak to the minister, I eventually wrote him an open letter because I noticed that you know, when people write open letters, they seem to be getting a response of some sort. So I wrote an open letter and the minister did not respond to my open letter. Instead, he did a one size fits all to like three women who had written open letters at the time. And he basically just said, stop with your nonsense and uh, get on with life. Uh, I'm not here to entertain you. And so I decided you know what, maybe if we actually draw attention to these people, they want us to uh, highlight how great they are not, we can highlight them. We can draw attention. We can cause chaos. So I decided to start a group of all the people who feel that they are for the arts and they don't feel that they are being heard. And when I started the group, it just grew so quickly. And immediately after starting the group, then I wrote the next letter, which was the letter to the president. Because, you know, in a, in a supermarket, when you don't get joy, you say, call the manager. So literally, uh, that was my call the manage, manager moment, writing a letter to the president to say, you know, here are your employees not doing what they're supposed to be doing. As a manager, what do you have to say? And that's when we then got a call from the uh, Department of Arts and Culture to come in for a meeting. And we've had two meetings since, which were basic box-ticking exercises. They had no plan to listen or hear or do anything about what we had said to them during those meetings. Instead, they wanted to tell us what they were doing good. So it was a, a, a backpatting exercise for them to tell us that they're actually doing a great job. Um, I don't know how, but that has been the experience. So now we're at a stage where we are literally uh, formalizing the movement so that we can fight them from an official position now. It's no longer just upset artists and creatives. It is now a very organized group of intellectuals that are coming at them with everything we know, experience, and everything that they have. 
Well, it's a fantastic story. We're going to hear more about it uh, because I want to hear also about the uh, the people that have joined you in this uh, activity. But first, we're going to hear a wonderful singer, Nina Simone, singing something from Porgy and Bess, I Loves You, Porgy. That was Nina Simone singing I Loves You, Porgy. And I'm talking to Bongi Mgoma, who is an activist, but also a singer. So let's just hear a little bit about your own career, Bongi, because I know you started studying law, but I've certainly uh, experienced you as a singer since many years. Um, So just give us a little bit about your own background, and it is Women's Month, and this is a good month to talk about women in all sorts of uh, areas of life. So just give us a little bit about your own background. Well, I, I, I grew up in a family of musicians. The Mgomas are known for their, um, their footprint in the music industry in the country and everywhere else in the world. So I grew up in a musical family. I studied music from a very young age and uh, I went on After my first degree at UCT, I then auditioned for the Music uh, College of Music to do opera, and I was accepted on the spot. And uh, I've had a a very long and illustrious career. Uh, You know, I've been the recipient of the Standard Bank Young Artist Award, F&B Vita, nominated for Summers, and uh, was a finalist for the Rolex Protégé Mentor Program. Um, studied with Jesse Norman, uh, Shelley Verratt, and Mirella Freni. Uh, I've sung with Pavarotti. I've been conducted by Maestro Richard Cook. So, yeah, I've had a very interesting career. Loving it. Actually, now just mentioning that uh, Pavarotti, I, I well remember that concert when it poured with rain. Uh, <laughs> I just you you're just reminding me of it now. That was the most crazy concert at at the Centurion yeah. Cricket Ground. I remember it well. But uh, let's talk about you because I mean the names you've mentioned: Mirella Freni, Jesse Norman, Shirley Verrett are big names in the music world. Um, and obviously your your career you you've got a couple of careers going now because uh, not only as a singer but as a producer and director uh, but also now as an activist and perhaps that's going to be the most important part of the work you do because it has a really long lasting effect and we certainly hope it will have because one of the interesting things is that artists musicians are real fighters when they want to be and you are obviously a fighter yeah make me sound like an eff (laughs) a fighter well uh sort of a musical fighter yeah no i i i do believe that it's important to fight for what is right um i don't just like to fight for, for the for the sake of fighting but I do believe that the, there are certain changes that changes that need to happen in the space. Um, I was thinking about it this morning that you know opera singers are so abused that whenever they are given a little bit of crumbs, they will say thank you so much. We are so grateful, and they will literally play down the fact that they are so abused. I know that I've had experiences where I was literally losing my voice because of the abuse backstage. Um, The director would come into my dressing room and literally berate me just before I go on stage. By the time I get on stage, I'm crying so much. I'm losing my voice, my throat is scratchy, but I put on a performance of a lifetime and get a standing ovation and then when you come off stage, you know that you cannot rock the boat because that's about the only job that's available right now, and you take it on the chin. So I believe that the time has come for us as the older generation to fight that the younger ones don't go through the same mess that we went through. 
I don't believe that any singer should hate singing as much as I hated singing at some point because of the abuse that I went through. And that whole thing of taking it down a notch, um, where literally people start feeling that because maybe the career is successful, you are becoming too big for your boots and they want to bring you down a notch. And yeah, the abuse is so bad. But we have become those people who will say thank you for the little, whatever little that is thrown at us, we will say thank you. We don't say we deserve more. And I believe that's a mindset that has to change. And that's what I'm fighting for, a healthy mindset that says I deserve every good thing that is happening to me because I've worked hard for it. Nobody gave it to me on a platter. You know, I'm a, I'm a singer who... I don't mind training myself six hours a day, eight hours a day. It doesn't matter. If it means I can sing like an angel when I get on that stage, I will train myself to it. So when I get there, there's no one who has a right to take me down a notch when I get a standing ovation. It's not right. But somehow we've normalized that because we are afraid of being... Um, What's the, what's the word that to use where you are literally locked out of something? So, we, 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 yeah, opera singers have, have become known as those ones who are begging for crumbs. And I believe that it's, it, it, it's a good example to set for young opera singers to say, you can be an opera singer and you can stand for what you believe in and get it too. Well, your next choice is someone who has made it a big and has been here to South Africa, Renee Fleming. She was one of the early winners of the UNISA singing competition, but she's been back here as a real diva, we should say, because uh, that's what she is. Senor Ascolta is what she's singing, Renee Fleming. That was Renee Fleming, the famous soprano, singing Senor Ascolta the choice of Bongi Mgoma, who's my guest in People of Note. Bongi, you mentioned that you've had a good response to your appeal for support. I'm for the arts. Uh, has the response come from all over South Africa? It has come from all over the world, actually. We, we have, interestingly enough, people from the UK, USA, People are everywhere, Germany, um, Italy, everywhere, 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 uh, and all over South Africa and in every sector of the industry. So, yeah, people obviously feel that this resonates with them because it speaks to something that affects everyone. So we've had an amazing response. Well, that's wonderful. So now you feel that you've got the the support and the structures to go ahead. So now the advocacy will really start, I'm sure, now. Uh, just yes. give us a little bit of background also. You mentioned briefly uh, the fact that the Mgoma family uh, were an important grouping within South Africa because your grandfather, Kabi Mgoma, was quite a force in Soweto when I first came to Joburg 40 years ago, and he also became a, a professor of music, I think. Just tell us a little bit about him and about your family. I grew up with my grandfather and grandmother. So Professor Kabim Goma, uh, to me, was just cool. Uh, he was not prof, like most people called him at the university where we live. Uh, I grew up with my grandfather teaching me to play the violin, the piano, and the recorder. So we grew up with music and, you know, he would teach us to sing and he would teach us also um, the theory of music. So I grew up with music from a very young age and I would listen to music all the time. And as we grew older and we started doing UNISA exams, um, you know, then it, become, it, it became more serious because now it's no longer just enjoying the music as a child. It now becomes that thing that is like school. 
because we would wake up at five and go for training. Uh, so you have to have your exercises in before you go to school. So my family really, uh, music is a, it's a family language. Um, yes, because your father played the cello also. I remember that. Yeah, he still does. Uh, he's he's seventy now. He still does play his cello, and he still writes his um, orchestral scores for the South African music. So yeah, my family is very is very much active. Even my aunt is still singing. Uh, my cousin plays the violin. His wife sings. So our family. Yeah, it's a real family business. I, I do believe that if we're given a chance, we would sing at each other at home. <laughs> yeah, because I, I often uh, talk about the fact that the, the very first nation-building concert we did in 1989, your aunt, and I just I need to say this, um, uh, Bongi's aunt is Sibongele Kumalo, and she was playing the violin in that very first uh, nation-building concert we did before she was even uh, going to be a singer. I think the second one she sang as a soloist. Uh, so it's an amazing family, the Mgoma family. And I see your next choice, perhaps very appropriately, uh, is Nigel Kennedy. He's playing uh, the first movement from Winter of the Four Seasons. Oh, yeah. That was Nigel Kennedy performing the first movement of Winter from the Four Seasons by Antonio Vivaldi, the choice of Bongi Mgoma, who's my guest in People of Note. And I see one of the uh, other pieces coming up next is uh, a piece from Handel's Messiah. And I guess uh, oratorio was something that your uh, grandfather was involved in in Soweto. Didn't he also run a small orchestra? Actually, it wasn't small, hey? That what? orchestra was quite big. I have photographs, and I remember growing up seeing this big choir and this big orchestra. And uh, somehow, you know, people, whenever this this is told in as a history... <laughs> Uh, it's told wrong. It's, it was never a small orchestra. It was quite big. As I remember as a child being feeling cold because the orchestra was so loud and the, the, the adults were singing all the strange music that I didn't understand then. Um, and I was always feeling cold because you know how orchestras sound. It's always that sound. So it always felt cold to me. But yeah. it, was, it wasn't a small it wasn't a small ensemble. It was a, a full-on orchestra and a big choir because um, they had the female voice and the male voice. And I think both choirs had at least 30, 40 members. So it was quite a big group. Um, I think the Ionian well, uh, Music Society had, at any given time, about 120 people. So that wow. was no small. That's a big group, outfit. yeah. Uh, has anyone written that story yet? No, no. Actually, we should actually start writing this history because yeah. it will be distorted if we don't do something. Yeah, because like I think there's some important musical families that have uh, had an, an important influence on the life in South Africa. I think of your family. Uh, I think of the Matthews family, of uh, the Masote family, these uh, had a great influence on life and the arts in South Africa, and I think someone should write all these stories. But your next choice is, in fact, from Handel's Messiah. We've got Kiri Takanawa singing, I Know That My Redeemer Liveth. That was Kiri Takanawa performing, I Know That My Redeemer Liveth. And it's quite interesting to see that of all the pieces, people you've chosen, many of them have visited South Africa. Rene Fleming, uh, Kirita Kanawa, Montserrat Kabaye, uh, Pavarotti, many of these people have performed in South Africa. But the next piece you've chosen, and we need to talk about this, is from Ushaka Kasenzanga Kona, because this was also an important moment in South Africa's music history, I think. Just tell us a bit about your participation in Ushaka. 
Well, I was invited for the second recording because the initial uh, soprano was sung by Pindile from Swaziland. And um, I was brought on after Prof heard me, I think it was at the nation building. And he felt I could bring a different texture to the music because of my strange voice. Uh, because I don't have a typical operatic or anything voice. I just have a strange sound. And I think he felt that the timbre could bring something of a different texture. And um, so he took me through the music and he taught me how to sing uh, Zulu music. Because now I'm, I was an op- a young opera singer who was learning to sing Puccini and Verdi and Mozart and Handel. And this guy said, no, you need to learn how to sing Amahub and learn how to sing in, in the correct idiom and stop. Don't sing it like a, a, a white person. Sing it like a Zulu girl. And because you are a Zulu girl, you speak the language, sing it the way you would speak it. And it was one of the most incredible experiences learning the music from the composer, but also being given license to put my own um, interpretation to it and uh, understanding. And here it is. This is Inkondlo Kanandi. Uh, just give us a little bit of the background to the song. It's obviously a song. Is it about Nandi? It's actually about... The, the 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 king, her her husband, uh, Shaga's dad. She speaks of her love for him, and what an an, a, an extraordinarily handsome man he is. So here it is in Kondlo Kanandi from Ushaka Kasenzanga Corner, and this is my guest, Sibongle Ngoma, singing this part. That was Inkondlo Kanandi, a song from Ushaka Kasenzanga Kona by Professor Mzilikazi Kumalo. And uh, that was a performance which was recorded at the SABC many years ago uh, when it was first completed. And uh, we made a recording which was put out by Sony many, many years ago. Uh, and Professor Kumalo was there inspiring everyone. And I think. Actually, uh, Sibongile, he's been a great inspiration to many people, certainly to me, uh, and I'm yeah. sure to you as well. Absolutely. He has been, you know, one of those people who will encourage you and make sure that you know just how important the work that you're doing is and just how much he appreciates what you bring to the work that he has written. An incredible man. And really, he was an activist as well, because when I worked with him on the Mast Choir Festival, which we did together for about 15 or 16 years, he was quite forceful, let me tell you. When things were not going uh, as he thought they should, he let people know. He, he didn't let anything go. He was a fantastic man, is a fantastic man. He's a fabulous man. I still have a lot of respect for him because, like you say, he stands up for what he believes should happen right you know and he would say no 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 no. Uyamana, that's not how you sing this music Ushaga is a king you cannot sing about a king <laughs> it just won't do he would say <laughs> yeah it just won't do yeah i remember it so well no he was very forceful a great force for good in the world of music and that's really what we are we all try to do our best for the arts and actually artists and musicians are in many ways real fighters because we've always had to fight to to make sure that we get you know what we want and that we do what we do best and it's never easy i think i've always said to people if you want to go into music it's a tough world to go into it's very rewarding but it's tough and i think you'd probably agree with that yeah no it is uh it's <laughs> it's not it's not the easiest career to be in uh, yeah oh, it's a lot 
Yeah. And here's someone who had some tough decisions to make too. This is Rusalka's Song to the Moon. Uh, Rusalka was a water nymph who had to make a decision to uh, come out of the water to fall in love with the man that she wanted to fall in love with. This is Anna Netrebko singing. Anna Netrebko singing Rusalka's Song to the Moon, one of the great pure love songs of all time. The choice of Bongi Mgoma, who's my guest in People of Note. Bongi, let's just get back for a moment to I'm for the Arts, which is the movement that you've started, an advocacy group. What what do you want to do now, or what does the group want to do now that they're up and running? What is your plan of action? Uh, the plan of action of I'm for the Arts is literally to get things working the right way. So you have a revised white paper that is now a teenager. It's been on those parliamentary desks for years. It's a teenager, literally. Um, and it, it, it has so much in it that covers a lot of the grievances that the industry has. If that white paper was actioned, uh, we wouldn't have some of the problems that we have because they would be addressed by the revised white paper. And then you have um, an art education space that does not look like it wants to transform itself to the new South Africa. It's still the old model. So we're still working with old structures uh, that we inherited from the apartheid era. And somehow we, we are hoping that will work for the larger community of South Africa. How, I don't know. But it is important thing that groups like I'm for the Arts get into that space and say it's time for real transformation and this is why we are artists we are creatives because we know how to transform because creativity is our middle name that's what we do we create and we know how to shift things because we see beyond what the normal eye would see because we see from a creative perspective so what I'm for the arts is there to do is actually to implement what has been sitting there forever. And if they will not allow us into the space, then we have to force ourselves in there because something has to give, something has got to shift. The Department of Arts and Culture cannot exist without serving the bigger community of South Africa. It cannot just serve a few people here and there. Some people use it as a, as, a, as a piggy bank that they can use to get funds whenever they feel like for whatever they need. And then the actual creatives are not getting the funds that they need because the funds are there. A budget is announced every beginning of the year. And then it, where does it go? So I'm for the artists there to ensure that policy is right. Um, the actual programs are correct. The education aspect is right. Uh, and it's a healthy environment for creatives to work in. And then the Department of Arts, Arts and Culture will see the social cohesion they keep preaching without ever implementing. Yeah, because that's been a call since, what, 25 years, I should think, for nation building and social cohesion. But, oh, exactly. uh, yeah, but it's quite hard to see where that has got us so far hasn't got us anywhere because it hasn't been done because uh, the department works on its own. It doesn't work with the industry. Uh, the only way they think they can work with the industry is by imposing structures that are, are run by them that are supposed to hold them to account. How? How? How are you going to hold yourself to account by bringing in yourself to hold yourself into account? So, no. They need to work with the people that they don't control so that they can be told when they are wrong and then they will appreciate it more when they get it right because the compliments will be genuine. Wise words there from Bongi Mgoma, who is the newly elected president of 
an advocacy group called I'm for the Arts. Now, here comes Anna Netrebko again with the beautiful uh, waltz song, Quando Menvo. That was Anna Netrebko singing that teasing waltz song, Quando Menvo, the choice of Bongi Ngoma. Now, Bongi, you mentioned Shirley Verrett as one of the people that you've worked with. How was it to work with people, and I see she's coming up next, how was it to work with people like Mirella Freni and Jesse Norman and Shirley Verrett that's coming up to sing now? It must be very special to have an opportunity to work with people like that. Yeah, I can't even explain what it was like. I mean, Shirley, like Jesse, well, I suppose all three of them, they became more like moms to me. Uh, you know, those people that just fall in love with you and they embrace you and look after you, nurture you. When I, I remember one incident in Italy, in Siena, with um, Shirley, when I, I ran out of money and my my ticket, my airplane ticket was expiring as well. So I had to come home before we finished because I was in the, in the summer program. And because uh, with Shelley, it wasn't just the masterclass. It was the full summer program. I was in the summer school. And uh, so I was, I had to come home before the end of the course. And she said, there's no way you're going anywhere. We have to make sure you have a new ticket and we have to make sure you have a place to stay. And she actually took money out of her own pocket and paid for my accommodation. And then they got the bank to buy a new ticket for me and the school to pay. Uh, oh, the yeah, I already had the, the, the bursaries for the, the program. So she actually paid for my accommodation. And Franny said to me, you're black, I'm white, but we look the same. And when you look at the pictures, she's right. She, We actually look the same. Angela Cobato once said, I came on stage to sing Mimi. And she said, I saw Franny walk onto the stage and you started singing and I just cried. And, you know, so working with people that I, I when I started singing, I was told I need to listen to them and channel what they do understand their approach to singing was like a shock to the system but in a good way you know and Jessie well she's she was like that big mama man she southern mom that will cook fried chicken for yours and make your sedan and ask you what is your biggest fear Do you, and they would say I fear that people will forget me when I'm dead and she's like no one can forget you Bongi no one can forget that. So, you know, uh, I had a, 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 a deeper connection with them than just them teaching me um, to sing or just standing in a master class and being told, approach this note that way or that phrase this way. It became more of a personal thing where literally you feel like these people really want you to succeed because it means something to the history of the music that you're doing. Well, and these are all uh, have been powerful and influential women in your life. And it's appropriate that this is Women's Month in August. And we're going to hear uh, two great singers now, Montserrat Caballé and Shirley Verrett, singing the flower duet from Madame Butterfly. That was the flower duet from Madame Butterfly, Montserrat Caballé and Shirley Verrett performing there and I seem to remember if my memory is correct that that was the duet that you sang in the Pavarotti concert wasn't it? It was and I sang it with my aunt and <laughs> I think I, 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 I want to say that the music that uh, we are listening to today I chose because these are my favorite pieces of music to sing uh, and then, of course, the, the Four Seasons, my favorite music to listen to. But the arias that and the duets that I've chosen today are actually music that I absolutely love singing. And uh, you know what? It just brings back another thing to me, too, because when we did that concert, um, I had just been working with your aunt, Sbongle Kumalo, on something else, and she sang... Uh, 
well, what's coming up in, in the next duet, actually. And she said to me after this concert, she said, why do you always ask me to sing these uh, mezzo-soprano parts? Because I always end up being the maid, she said, the servant. Yeah. Why is this? <laughs> she was sort of complaining to me that I, <laughs> I always made her be the servant in this. And she was, yeah. I mean, she was joking with me, but she said it in in a sort of, uh, mocking way, you can imagine. <laughs> and I see that's your next choice is that other famous duet from Lakme. Uh, and and obviously you've worked quite a lot with her, with your aunt. I have. I have. We have sung together a lot. Not so much lately, but uh, definitely around that Pavarotti concert time, we were doing a lot of uh, shows together. And and I think she was singing also in Ushaka. She sang the contralto part in that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've worked a lot with her. Well, this this is the the other famous duet for two sopranos, the Lakme duet. This is uh, Elina Garancha and Anna Netrebko. That was the famous Lakme duet for, by Delib, Anna Netrebko and Elina Garancha performing it there. And I've sung that several times. Well, not I've sung it. I've performed it several times with Sibongle uh, Mgoma and her aunt, Sibongle Kumalo, performing it. Um, so do you not perform so much anymore, Bongi? I do. Um, interestingly enough, it's, you know, this is one of the things that was frustrating me because so opera is not as highlighted as some of the other genres. So when you perform where people don't see you, they think you start singing. At some point, there was even a rumor that uh, I had lost my voice. And I was like, no, mm -mm. no, no, no. If you don't know where I am, find me. I'll tell you what I'm doing. But don't start a rumor and say I've lost my voice because I haven't. I'm still singing. And I just now we, we, we've started doing a series called Sunday Spirit which is um, uh, doing hymns and spirituals on a Sunday, every second Sunday of the month. Um, because, no, every second, every fortnight, basically, we do something called Sunday Spirit, which is spirituals and hymns, which is literally uh, worshipping on a Sunday with people who just came back from church while they're eating their lunch. And are you doing this live or online or what? We're doing it online because, you know, we can't perform live at the moment because the dream was always to have a huge uh, concert with a thousand voices and a 500-piece orchestra uh, doing uh, what I call opera that worships, which is literally having opera singers, uh, like soloists and an opera chorus doing hymns and spirituals. So now, because of this lockdown, we have had to move things online. So we record the, sh the concerts and then we broadcast them on the day so that the, the experience is more immediate. And where do people find those? Where, where must they look? The, the, the website where you buy the tickets is uh, www. Angela, um, AngelaMarkProd.com Okay, we'll give it, just give it to us again. www.AngelaMarkProd.com There you are, that's where that's you can the, find it. And while you're giving live. that sort of thing out, where do people find out about I'm for the Arts? On Facebook is the easiest platform to find. The the movement it's called I'm for the arts I letter I letter M number four the arts I'm for the arts no okay. apostrophe there we go that's where you can find the information about it and uh, to join the movement because I think that's what you need you need more people joining this movement so that uh, the advocacy group becomes more powerful now, here's a gentle duet. This is the Barcarolle by Offenbach, uh, Stella Gregorian, and Natalie Dessay. 
That was the Barcarolle uh, from The Tales of Hoffman by Jacques Offenbach, Stella Grigorian and Natalie Dessay singing. The choice of Bongi Mgoma, who's my guest in People of Note. Now, Bongi, one of the uh, pieces that you are singing or you have sung in the past, uh, in fact, I think you've done the role in Carmen. You, you've taken part in several operas and in Carmen, you performed what? Michaela. And is it she who sings the habanera? No, that's Carmen. That's Carmen herself. I sang the role, I sang the role of um, Michaela and I sang um, Jolie. Carmen sings habanera and that's the the role that I that's the last role I want to sing before I retire because I think I would nail it so I want that's the one role that I want to do as my final role uh, so I'll do a couple of roles and then as my swan song last call yeah my swan song will be Carmen because I need to just do something so spectacular just to leave a mark yeah and I should think. Uh, as as people get older so their voices move down slightly in general and so it would be uh, appropriate because the habanera lies a little lower than usual this is angela georgiou singing it here's the habanera from carmen that was the habanera from carmen the opera by georges bizet and it was performed by angela georgiou and the choice was made by Bongi Mgoma, who's my guest in People of Note. And we've talked a little bit about that famous Pavarotti concert that both you and I took part in when it was at the uh, Centurion Cricket Ground. It was his final concert in South Africa, actually. And it was not long after that that um, he passed on. And we've got him singing Ave Maria, which is uh, a piece that you've probably done often yourself. Uh, but here it comes, sung by yeah. Pavarotti, Ave Maria. That was Luciano Pavarotti singing Ave Maria. Now, Bongi, one of the pieces that I've done with you and choirs, we talked about choirs backing things up, is uh, Inegiamo Signor, Regina Celi from Cavalleria Rusticana. Uh, and yeah. it certainly suited your voice well when you did it. Um, and... It must be something of a favorite of yours. I think it's a very powerful piece. I love performing it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's one of those songs. I heard it done by Marita Napier the very first time I heard it, and I fell in love with it, and it was sung by the Cape Town Opera Chorus. So you can imagine, I mean, Cape Town Opera Chorus has always been one of the best in the world. So they would sing that song, and um, I remember... At the time, I was a very young singer, and Pinkim Jali was in the chorus at the time. She was the only black person in there. And um, I heard this woman, Marita Napier, singing this song and this chorus, killing it. And I said, one day, one day I will sing this song, and I will nail it just as well as this woman is doing right now, because... She, you know, Maria, Marietta Napier is a dramatic soprano, so, you know, that voice would just shake the earth. So I thought one day I'll sing it. I'll sing it as well as she sang. Well, this performance is given by Yulia Varadi with the London Symphony Orchestra and Choir. It's that famous Regina Celi from Cavalleria Rusticana. That was Regina Celi, Inegiamo Signor, from... Cavalleria Rusticana by Mascani Yulia Varadi with the London Symphony Orchestra and Chorus. And we're coming towards the end of the program now, and I just want to uh, get from uh, Bongim Goma once more those details. First of all, about how people can hear you with your Sunday programs that you were talking about. Just give us those details again. Uh, they can log on to www.angelamorkiprod.com. And, and then, that is where you will find the tickets for um, the Sunday concert. 
It's Angelo Moki Prod. So uh, it's A N G E L O M O C K I E Prod P O R D dot com. Okay, and about I'm for the arts because that's uh, uh, sort of new. Uh, well, I won't say a new kid on the block because you've always been something of a um, an activist in the arts, but this is what you're involved in right now as the newly elected president, and that's I'm I am the number four the arts. I'm number four the arts, and you can find out all about that. And we really hope that that will become a, a wave and an ocean of people. <laughs> supporting you in what you're doing well what all the artists are doing to try and get a better deal for the arts in south africa especially now since we've been in lockdown for five months and it's going to go on i can see because not many people can survive with 50 people in the audience when you've got theaters which hold a thousand or 1500 it just won't Absolutely. work yeah even the, even the virtual performances are not you know they we keep being told to do virtual performances virtual performances are not as successful as everybody makes them out to be because it, it depends it depends you can get an audience of five you can get a, an audience of 500 you can get a, an audience of five million but uh, it really depends it's not it's not a go-to for everyone so it's time that we start looking at other other ways of of of, of getting ourselves back to work yeah and it's also i must say because i'm just doing some at the moment it's a lot of work to get these online productions ready for sure. for broadcast or putting online so lots yeah, to yeah sorry they're not live because they're not live and also you know there's a whole lot of post-production work that goes in before they go up yeah and that's those are new skills that we have to learn as artists and we all are having to learn and be creative because that's what it's all about so we're going to play your final choice now which is uh, the soprano Renata Tebaldi she's singing that famous aria from La Wally that was Renata Tebaldi singing that famous aria from La Wally and that was the final choice of Bongi Gorma, who's been my guest in People of Note tonight. So I just want to say thank you, Bongi, uh, for being on the program. Thank you, Richard, for having me. And uh, thank you for giving um, For the Arts uh, a highlighted spot on your program. That's a great pleasure. And especially on this, the last Sunday in August, which is all about women. And Bongi is certainly a woman who's been uh, in the arts for all her life and a great fighter for the rights of artists. And thank you all at home for listening. Thank you to Mataba Tabachadebe, who helps us put this program together. And I'll be back with the full works each weekday evening at 7. Uh, and then, of course, on Sunday, we've got People of Note at 6 p.m. So, I'll be with you tomorrow at 7, but from all of us here at Classic 1027, we say thank you for listening and a very good night.